then you can go to sleep while I'm preaching. No, you can't. <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Oh, I tell you, I am so glad to be back here. I, I have not missed that much. I've not missed church that much, and I haven't missed, missed preaching that much in 40 years, except the time when I was 30, when they took my tonsils out. I couldn't do anything for a few weeks, but um, thank you again for praying for me, and uh, I am so glad to be able to come to the study and study the Word of God and to uh, get back in the pulpit. How many of you have ever seen that movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Remember that science fiction story? It's back in 1977. It was put out by Steven Spielberg, starring Richard Dreyfus, the Jaws guy. It tells a story of a guy by the name of Roy Neary, who was an everyday blue-collar worker in Indiana, whose life just turned over when he had an encounter with a UFO. And you remember how that story goes like that. Well, it seems like certain elements of our culture seem to be obsessed with discovering beings beyond us. But God's Word tells us that there is someone beyond us, and it's our almighty, powerful God of heaven. And you know one thing about him? He's not trying to hide himself. He wants to reveal himself, and he invites all of us to have a close encounter with him. So this morning, I'm going to begin a new series of messages that describe various biblical characters who had a close encounter with God and how they were gloriously transformed by that encounter. And you and I can enjoy those close encounters with the Lord on a regular basis. Today, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 15 as we look at the first one, Abraham's close encounter with God. I'm going to read uh, Genesis chapter 12, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. You can follow in your Bible or up on the screen as, as you can. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Father, we bow in your presence today and pray that as we begin looking at these people in your word, 
who drew near to you, who had that close encounter that transformed their whole life. I pray that today, God, you would help us to learn from Abraham's close encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, as we begin in chapter 12, you've got to understand that Abram had no, no idea about God. He was, as a matter of fact, uh, we'll find out later, that he worshipped other gods. He was as far away from God as any person. And then God revealed himself to Abram, his sovereign choice of Abram. Now the Lord had said to Abram in verse 1, you know, salvation comes because God calls in grace and sinners respond by faith. In Joshua chapter 24, you don't need to turn there, verse 2, Joshua comments, and Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abram and the father of Naor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Abraham's whole family served other gods. When he was in Ur of the Chaldees, that whole city was devoted to Nanar, the moon god. Abraham did not know the true God at all and had done nothing to, to deserve knowing him, but God graciously called him, just like Jesus says, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. One thing we learn about God in this encounter, that God is sovereign in choosing those members who will be part of his forever family. Now, God not only chose Abraham, there's something else we see about God revealing himself. God gave special promises to Abraham in this passage and other places where the Abrahamic covenant is repeated time and time again in Abraham's life. So, so many times he was promised a land, the land of Palestine, the Canaan was going to be Abraham's. He was promised descendants, a seed. He was promised multitudes of children and grandchildren and a whole people from him. And he was also promised God would bless him. God would be with him and abundantly bless him. So this is the promises that God gave to Abram. You know, I find that the same is true. When God calls us to himself, reveals himself to us, he also gives us many special promises all through the Bible, we see God giving us, His children, promises. Things in the New Testament, like when Jesus says, I have given them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Other promises that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Another promise, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I, as believers in Christ, and then Jesus said also, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That same promise-keeping God that gave promises to Abraham is the same God that reveals himself to us and gives us so many blessed promises. You know, as you look into the Word, you find principles to obey. There's so many things that God instructs us to do, but time and time again, all through this book, he loads us down with promises, and he will never go back 
on those promises. Well, you know, God reveals Himself in showing Himself to Abraham and also promised, but also God showed that He will test Abraham as well. Now, the testing, the great testing that Abraham endured was described in Genesis 22, but also Hebrews 11 summarizes what test God gave to Abraham on Mount Moriah with his son Isaac. Let me read Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 to 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. My friend, God loves us, God chooses us, God promises us, but he also tests us. Some of the greatest people in the Word of God had gone through serious and powerful tests. Think of Abraham, this test of offering his only son, and he passed that test. Think of Job, all the tests that God put him through. And we tell him, we, we find that the devil used this to try to get him his faith to falter, but God used it to test him. Think of Joseph being locked in prison all those years, being lied about, being, being forgotten and, and sold by his brothers. Those were tests of his faith. And think of all the tests David had to go through, being hunted down by Saul. Think of the New Testament characters like Paul and many others tested, tested. Paul had the thorn in the flesh. God was testing him. Just right before, uh, the Tuesday before I went into surgery on Wednesday, I had to take a test. <laughs> it was a, a test for my uh, last seminary class on New Testament. It was the final exam. And you know, tests are given to see what you know, see what you learn, See if you can recall anything. Remember those tests you've got? And you know, God is a teacher, and He puts us through school. And sometimes there's an exam, and He loves us so much that He wants to bring out the gold, and sometimes we got to go through the fire of testing. Well, we looked at Abraham revealing himself, but in this close encounter, let's notice what Abraham experienced with his encounter with God. We've seen it from God's perspective, but let's go back to this passage of Scripture. We find that Abraham encountered God on several different occasions. The first one was his encounter in Ur, of the, <coughs> Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis 12. Now, this, of course, was the one that we read about when he was worshiping other gods and God just revealed himself to Abraham and he responded to that voice that called him out of his old ways, out of his old worship, out of his old gods. His lost, unredeemed heart responded to God's call in his life. Let me ask you this question. Has there been a time in your life when God revealed himself to you by his Holy Spirit and pricked your heart and you said, Yes, God, I will respond. Well, this was his first encounter. This was his salvation experience, you might say. We also see that he encountered God in Genesis 15. This is when 
God gave the covenant with Abraham. And you remember others uh, speaking on this, and I think uh, Dr. Maxwell might have mentioned this, and Peter's mentioned it in a sermon, how the, the, all of the animals were laid out and God walked through the midst of them. And, and it was the covenant that God made with Abraham. And he had a vision of God. Now, verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And again, he promised him the land, the seed, and the blessing. And that will ultimately be fulfilled. All of this will completely be fulfilled one day, as they've had many of it already. There's a third encounter. This is in Genesis 14, and it's the encounter with a guy by the name of Melchizedek. You remember that guy? Melchizedek, a strange guy. Let me read what Hebrews comments on this encounter that Abraham had in Genesis 14 with Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, this is Hebrews 7, 1 through 4, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God. Okay. You see, well, there is a line of believers that doesn't come from Abraham. There was others like Melchizedek who believed in the true God of heaven. So he was a believer in the true God. He was a priest of the Most High God. Of course, not through the Aaronic priesthood, which is a descendant of Abraham, but it was a different priesthood. Who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed Abraham, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father. Now, it doesn't mean that this person uh, did not have a human father, but it's referring to something different, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God remains remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Many people, Bible scholars who looked at this passage, see that Melchizedek is a a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus. We call that a theophany, where, where God takes in the picture of the angel of the Lord here in Melchizedek. So we see here that Abraham had this encounter with this strange person called Melchizedek. That was another God encounter. Now we also see that Abraham has continuous encounters with God. Chapter 17, we find that this is the time where he met God and God changed his name. His name used to be Abram, exalted father, but now Abraham father of a great multitude. Genesis 18, the Lord appeared again to him through three angelic visitors. And of course, the Lord appeared to him in Genesis 22 when he was tested. What we're seeing here is that Abraham not only had the salvation encounter with God, he also continued to meet with God for instruction, for direction, for reassurance of the uh, the promises, and even tests. Let me ask you, how often do you meet with God? I hope that your only experience with God God, wasn't just in your salvation. I hope that you encounter Him on a daily 
experience when you, when you draw near to Him in prayer. You know, many of, um, many of our appointments, many of our plans, many of the things that we had been hoping to do have been canceled. Have you experienced that? <laughs> Some of you graduates didn't have your graduation experience. I mean, there's, there's things that have, have been canceled that have, that have been uh, decades they've been doing. I mean, they're canceling so many things. But I want to tell you, you and God will never cancel His appointment with you. You need to meet with Him. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may have strength and help in time of need, that we can come to God daily and encounter Him. I hope that your relationship with the Lord is a daily experience, and sometimes when you go through difficulties, you can draw near to Him in those times of testing. Let's look and see how these close encounters with God transformed Abraham's life. First of all, Abraham believed God. In Genesis 15, verse 6, it simple says, And he believed in the Lord... And he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. When God revealed himself to, to Abraham, he believed it. Promises do us no good unless we believe them and act on them. And Abraham trusted God's promise and proved it by leaving home and going to Canaan. Now, this uh, verse in Genesis 15, 16 is repeated in three times in the New Testament, Galatians 3.6, Romans 4.3, and James 2.23. The, the three key phrases in that is believed, accounted, and righteousness. When we believe on the Lord, the Lord takes that belief and puts it to our account for our righteous standing with Him. That's what salvation is. That's what happens when we believe in the Lord. But he not only believed God, he also obeyed God. Chapter 11, verse 3 of Hebrews says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. He obeyed the Lord. He obeyed God even the greatest test of his life. He obeyed God when he would do certain things in his life. And I wonder, has our encounter with God affected our obedience of his word? When you meet the Lord, you believe in him. But modern Christianity's concept of God is simply to use him when we get in trouble, when we're in a jam, or when we're feeling times of weakness. So we, we go to the Lord, and we get through that time, and then after that time, we just kind of put God and following Him on the shelf and forget all about Him. Jesus said, if anyone would come after, Lee, after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Obedience will cause us, like Abraham, to walk away from a sinful old way of life and do what his word instructs us to do. That's why we preach the Bible and teach the Bible, not just for information 
And not just for inspiration, but for obedience. God's Word gives us the path of life, and if we follow that life, He knows it will be the happiest. It will be the, the, the most sane way of living this life when we obey the Scriptures. So Abraham believed, Abraham obeyed, but Abraham also built altars. Uh, three times we see, or at least three times, chapter, 20, chapter 12, verse 8, we see, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Chapter 13, verse 4, to the place of the altar which he had made there, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. He came back to the altar. Chapter 22, verse 9, he built an altar. What are these? These are just times where you worship God. And I think that a lot of times uh, we get so busy with our life, we get so busy with going to work and taking care of business that we don't stop and spend time worshiping Him. We worship the Lord on Sunday morning, but we can worship Him and build an altar several times of the week where we just close out everything and we just go to that throne of God and worship Him. So Abraham worship the Lord. That was part of his transformation. Believing, obeying, and worshiping is a part of our transformation. There's something else that we see in his transformation. Abraham looked for a city. Chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 10 and 16 says this, he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You know, God's people may live in a tent down here. They may live in a house or they may live in an apartment. They may live in a city or a small town or out in the country. They may be wealthy or have very little in this world good. But there's one thing God's people should all have in common. We're looking for a city. We're not looking to spend the rest of our lives down here on this earth. God has called us and God has promised us that where I am, there you may be also. We're looking to go to that place called heaven. That is our hope. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what keeps us during times of panic in this world. We have the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We're looking for a city, just like Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Something else about Abraham's transformation, and I think that this is something we need to pay attention to. Transformation does not eliminate setbacks. When I read through these chapters in Genesis, uh, you know, I've just been preaching about the high points in Abraham's life. But if you've been in Kelly's class and been in Genesis for a few years, you probably learned about Abraham and all of the mistakes that he made. Not just mistakes, but out-and-out out failures. When, he was, when there was a famine, he went down to Egypt, and Pharaoh looked at uh, his wife and, and said, uh, boy, she's uh, very pretty. Uh, let me take her as part of uh, my harem. And is she your wife? Well, she's my sister. <laughs> well, yeah, half-sister. But she was also his wife, and he lied, and he just about 
messed up God's promise, but God got him out of that, and he came back to Bethel and got his act together again. Another time, Abimelech did the same thing, and he lied again. Boy, I tell you, it would be nice if you learned some lessons, wouldn't it? If you lie once and get in trouble, you shouldn't do the same thing, the same lie. And then, of course, the big blowout when he wasn't having any kids, and Sarah suggested, well, hey, here's Hagar, my, my slave, my handmaid. Why don't you have relations with her and have a child, and maybe God will accept this as the promise, and you know what happened as a result of that, and the consequences are still being felt. When we don't let God rule, sometimes He overrules and makes things happen, but we still have to pay the consequences. Abraham learned his lesson, he repented, and time and time again, he came back to the altar. The practical lessons that we can learn from this, we're not going to have an unbroken string of victory after victory after victory without messing up. But when it does happen, I'm not saying if it does, because I know in my life, there's times when I mess up. God says, come back to the altar. And that's what Abraham did. Time and time again, he would come back and begin a new series of obedience with the Lord. It's not an excuse for sin, but it's an encouragement for repentance. Out of the blue one day, God spoke and said, Abram. And he called him out of his moon god worship to follow him and to believe him. You remember a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and said, I am real. I am here. Follow me. And you responded in faith and believed in the Lord and accepted him as your Savior. My friend, if that hasn't happened yet, I encourage you. I believe the Spirit of God is knocking on the door of your heart today. And if you would just open and say, yes, Lord, I believe in you, he would gloriously save you from your sins and wash away and make you ready for heaven. That's that close encounter of salvation. But if you know Christ as your Savior, I believe that our Lord is always knocking on our door, said, hey, draw near, come close to me, and I will transform your daily life. Let me ask you, do you have those close encounters with God on a daily basis? Abraham was the first one that we are looking at next week as we continue this series. Lord willing, we're going to look at the close encounter with Moses. Let's pray together. Father, we bow in your presence today and we want to thank you so much for the privilege of being with you. Thank you, God, for choosing us and calling us and drawing near to us. And Father, I believe that you love your children so dearly that you want to have that daily encounter with them. And when we meet you, Lord, our lives will be completely transformed. We pray that, God, you would help us to do that on a daily basis. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
We're going to uh, have a couple of the graduates of 2020 come up here, and as we usually do, we um, give our graduates a Bible, and I think we have Jessica Wang and Nathaniel Sprague. Any other graduates here? They might come to the second service, and uh, for them, it's been, Nathaniel, come on up, and Jessica, come on up too. It's been a tough year for the 2020 graduates. This is unusual, and uh, they each uh, have accomplished that. I think we have five graduates. Uh, we'll have some more in the second service, but I'd like to give them a Bible with a name engraved on it. Nathaniel, Jessica, make sure it's your name there. But let's pray for them, okay? Let's ask the Lord to guide them. Father in heaven, I thank you for these two that are graduating from high school this year, and we just pray as they go to their college that you would, you would preserve them from the influences that, that might be detrimental to a biblical worldview. Help them to remember the things that they've learned in the house of the Lord and continue to grow in their faith. Pray you would whole lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, guys. I would shake your hand, but I can't even do that. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs>